and welcome back to the Everything Must Go podcast. I am Steven, and with me, as always, is Brandon. Today's episode is going to be a, a pretty intense one, as there's a lot of things going on in the world. It's a pretty dark time to be, especially an American right now, um, just with a lot that's going on. And in today's episode, we're going to take the time to talk mostly about what's going on with the George Floyd recent death and the protests that have followed um, right afterward. In addition to that, we'll just kind of see where the conversation goes, but we're going to try to keep each other uh, as honest as possible throughout this conversation. I think this will be a good learning moment for Brandon and I both. Keep in mind, our perspectives on this are just limited. We're, We're just a couple guys who live in Chicago. We're gonna come into this with as much information as we can. And hopefully by the end of today's episode, we can both walk away um, feeling like we at least put some more thought into the overall, like how everything is being handled. And hopefully we can grow a little bit from today's show. Um, but with that said, Brandon, do you want to just start going over the, the article that you have? Or how, do you, or how do you want to start it off from your side? Well, first, I do want to say, um, just to give my perspective a little bit on... Uh, how I've approached talking about this or how I I choose to approach going forward with it. Um, My intent, uh, and I'm speaking specifically from my perspective, so I don't know if Steven feels the same way um, or if uh, he has a a different point of view on this. Um, When when posting on social media specifically, um, there's been a lot of thought on... I mean, uh, first of all, uh, the, those of you who even follow this podcast or follow me know that I've had a love-hate relationship with social media in general, um, just because a lot of it, I think, um, gets used in a very uh, disingenuous manner. And so when approaching my platform and, and deciding to speak on things uh my hope has been to be more action-based than to, you know, share threads and whatnot. So, for instance, if you guys look, if you're watching the live stream, you can look in the description of the live stream to see places that you can donate. Um, I have been trying to donate um, up to $500 to different places, and I want to just right off the top encourage people. What I'm doing is if you donate somewhere, if you can let me know where you donated to and the amount that you donated to I'm matching it up to $500 I have about $180 to go to meet that goal so um, I'm still I still have that much to give um, to this stuff and so uh, just kind of going with that I think uh, my hope has been to be more action based than to be preachy than to just share things uh, and feel like that is enough Um, because as much as educating uh, people or just talking about different things I think number one um, sometimes it can be difficult for people to to take in all that information especially when you're just hounded by it over and over again it almost becomes white noise and I don't think that that is is what we really want out of this we want people to really listen with a purpose um and i also think that um it is one of those things that feels uh kind of um 
like going through the motions at times specifically for me um and so that's been kind of my perspective and i i hoped that through the podcast this week uh you know steven and i have talked outside of this about this situation um about things leading to this and uh this was the time that we were going to actually talk about things and i i think that within that i feel like there is more um uh weight behind it like we're, we're specifically sitting down to have this conversation with you guys along with us and um I, I i guess even before i go into you know the the skeleton of the episode we talked about uh would be kind of going over the timeline of the events with george floyd and and uh what led into the protests and whatnot because um, I think it's with all these clips circulating and stuff, it's it's hard to know what actually has happened. Um, but I, I know Stephen that you have uh, been taking a lot of time to just process a lot of this stuff, and uh, you know you are always a very calculated speaker when uh, when you you don't want to just speak willy nilly on things. Um, and, and so this, I think for you as well, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, you've wanted to use this podcast as the time to talk about it. Do you have any initial thoughts that you want to, uh, to say or get off your chest about the situation? Sure. So I'm really glad that first off, I've, I've really enjoyed how you have approached the situation because I think the important thing to do is you got to do what kind of feels right to you in the situation. So like, uh, for example, I don't. I'm not big on just like being preachy in a situation, especially before I even have all the information. Like I want to get the information before I even start having strong opinions on things. So as you've seen, like I have somewhat felt bad that I have not really said anything about it yet. But at the same time, I haven't said anything yet because this is admittedly one of the most horrific, jarring, and like most I've ever been impacted by something going on that I've experienced before just because it just it felt like when I when I watched the clip of like what actually happened keep in mind the first time that I had saw reference to it I was doing a live stream and someone had said hey have you seen what's happening or what just happened in Minneapolis it was like shortly after this had uh, hit the news and I just saw like a couple of images and I was like I'm not looking at this right now let me take a look at it later so over the last several days since then I've obviously I've watched news clips on it. Um, I've just, I find it difficult as a, just as the fact that I'm white, it definitely, it makes it an especially tough conversation for me to have, only in the fact that I really don't want to jump to any conclusions because I don't have the same, it doesn't impact me in the same way as it would an African American. And because of that, I want to make sure that like, I really take a step back see how everyone is reacting to this, really try to get information on, on all sides of this, and then, you know, how am I feeling after a few days of thinking about it? So, I mean, as I said, my initial just sadness and anger and frustration towards watching that first clip, I was like, I'm going to need some time to, to get away and think about this. And then I wanted to see, you know, how, how are people going to react to this? Um, so when I started seeing you doing this donation thing, I was like, you know what? I really, I really like this because this does show it's like you're taking an action because the thing I always talk about is people like to complain all the time, but the thing that people don't do enough of is they don't like seek solutions. They're more likely to just say, here's what all the problems are, but they don't have a solution proposed. And my frustration with that has always been like, I get it. It's okay to be upset, but 
things aren't going to get better until people have solutions on things. So obviously people can interpret what a solution to this is in a, a bunch of different ways. But one solution is we donate money to causes that have more ability to directly impact it than let's say just you as an individual. So like you can donate money to them. Now they're going to be impacted. And then other people might see that you're, that you're being charitable and then they'll, um, they'll donate money. And for me, I even had to think like, I had to take a step back for a second and even think, I don't want to make this in any way about me. Like, I don't want to donate for people to be like, wow, Steven's a good guy. He's donating. And I feel like the way that you did it to say, Hey, if other people donate, I will match what you're doing. I feel like that was a really good way to just get people to like, you're, you're like helping multiple people like open up their eyes and, and showing like, Hey, take an initiative on something. So I think that was a really good way of doing it. So I think I kind of want to use today's episode to, yeah, just sort of take all this information that I process and then talk it over with you a little bit, knowing that both of us are sort of an outsider perspective as we're not directly a part of the African American community. But the one thing I know that we can both agree on is how horrific this is and how this is a an example of people who are not treating each other equally. And I think we really focus on the police brutality aspect on this, but I, I think that this actually goes a step beyond that and that the main the main issue in all of this is that we are not treating people equally just across the board. We are just overall humanity is having way too many biases and they're not, they're just not treating people the same way you learn as a kid, you want to treat others the way that you want to be treated. And yet as you become adults, you stop doing that. So that is like fundamentally to me, that is like the overall problem in all of this is we pick specific people and we don't treat them the same way. And I feel like this George Floyd thing was just like a representation like of all of that and all the protests that have subsequently followed afterwards is a like a visual representation of everyone's anger and feeling like there's been an injustice in their lives. Yeah. And um I know that you said a lot of things. Um I, I just want to kind of reiterate one specific uh, thing that you, you talked about uh, us not wanting to be preachy in any way. Um, to kind of go back to that, I, I, I think part of the reason why I think that's important um, is because I think just when you think about human psychology, just think about when someone's talking at you, telling you how to how to live your life or what to do, a lot of times your your gut reaction is to uh, react defensively and uh, personalize information rather than taking in what they're actually saying. Um, because the fact of the matter is a lot of this stuff has nothing to do with you uh, specifically, but as as a people, as a collective group of people, we have uh, a responsibility to to do things to... Uh, make the playing field equal for all people because we are all people. And so I, I really want, this is what I love about uh, just having these conversations is this is a, a conversation. This is a discussion. Hopefully Stephen and I will walk away with something. Hopefully you guys will walk away with something, but we're not talking at you. We're talking with you. 
and you know if you think differently about it don't feel like if you if something that we say triggers like oh so they don't like people like me like we're this isn't a time to get defensive this is just a time to listen to each other and uh process the information we're talking about ideas we're talking about information and we're trying to speak logically on it um and to be honest i don't know how emotional this discussion will get um part of me wants to try as hard as i can to avoid getting emotional about it because i want it to be a discussion of ideas and a discussion of the actual information and not bring in the passion to it because i think as authentic as that can be i think sometimes it can cloud our ability to articulate the information that we're trying to get across and then people also react emotionally um but uh, again overall the the preachy aspect of it that is not my intent uh it doesn't seem like that's steven's intent uh this is a conversation and i hope that if you guys can you just listen and and maybe even if you want to you know we always offer send us an email leave us a voicemail comment just something to to keep the conversation going um that's that's super appreciated but uh if there's nothing else that you want to say going into this i can start with the the um the timeline of of what has happened sure okay you can go with it um so uh, again i think a big part of this is just understanding what has actually happened we see a lot of uh clips being passed around and and uh, people's tweets about this or that. Um, but this is an article from um, Min Post. I think it's the Minneapolis Post. It might be Minnesota Post. But uh, this is a timeline. The article is called What We Know About the Events Surrounding George Floyd's Death and Its Aftermath, a Timeline. This was written May 29th, 2020. So things have obviously happened since then. Um, can't believe tomorrow is june 1st that just seems i know crazy to me uh but so basically the the whole thing started um there was this place called cup foods um and george floyd was there uh they the i think i don't know if it was just an employee at cup foods or something they had um called in the police because they thought that uh george had used a counterfeit $20 bill uh, two police officers um, yeah so it's a convenience store specifically on 38th street and Chicago Avenue in South Minneapolis uh, two police officers arrived at the scene identified a man in a car parked near the store as matching the suspect's description that was George Floyd then two other police officers arrive and then surveillance video from a restaurant obtained by the Washington Post shows police pulling George Floyd handcuffed out of a car parked across from Cup Foods and walking him over to the side of a building. Uh, Then a bystander took a video. Um, This is the one that has circulated very massively, uh, showing a police officer kneeling on Floyd's neck for approximately five minutes as he struggles, telling officers he can't breathe. Uh, I think this has been edited wasn't it over seven minutes that he was he had his knee to the guy's neck yeah i thought it was seven or eight minutes yeah okay um like total i think that's what i had read yeah that's that's what i had read as well um 
So uh, the other three officers stood by. You can see in the video uh, one officer. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's uh, Tao. Well, one of the officers you can see speaking in the video for people to back up, uh, trying to get people to knock it off while people are arguing. You know, he's telling you he can't breathe. Let off of him. He's detained. You know, whatever. And then um, Floyd eventually goes limp. Um, the Minneapolis fire personnel arrived to find Floyd had been loaded into an ambulance uh, by HCMC medics. Uh, I'm not sure what HCMC stands for. Um, an off-duty firefighter who witnessed the end of Floyd's struggle with police had seen him go from struggling to unresponsive. Uh, members of the fire crew got into the ambulance and found Floyd without a pulse. Attempts revi to revive him failed, and he was pronounced dead at 9.25 p.m. According to a Hennepin County Medical Examiner report that listed his cause of death as under investigation, uh, Floyd, 46 years old, early Tuesday morning, the Minneapolis Police Department announced in a press release that a man had died after a medical incident during a police interaction. And this is where I want to take a little pause break. Um, this is part of the outrage to start. Like the first, the first reaction almost feels like a convenient uh, cover-up of sorts. A medical incident during a police interaction uh, we know from the video that that was not uh, that's not how you describe that situation. Do you have any initial thoughts based off of off of that? Well, I I didn't know uh, what the initial uh, crime was. Like I didn't I didn't know like when I initially saw the story, I didn't know that it was about a counterfeit situation, which makes this story way worse when you start knowing that this wasn't even it's not like this was an armed robbery or something. This was a completely harmless crime and especially when you give the complete context of the situation in the world that we're living in with s such difficult economic times it's very surprising to see that this would escalate to just, just like th that was my thing was how did something so simple escalate so much because I've, I've actually talked about before I've seen counterfeit money uh, when I worked at Disney World like I know it happens, and obviously, like, I saw that happen, and people just got out, like, with, with nothing. Like, there was just nothing. Like, we didn't even do anything uh, like back then. Like, there was nothing that really happened as a result of it. It's just, like, it, it, it doesn't happen very often, but to think that something like that could escalate to some man is now thrown onto the ground and literally suffocated, and you're right. The way that the, the story is tilted makes it come kind of come across, like, they wanted to downplay the significance of the entire thing. And yeah, you, you're, you're right. Why is there so much outrage? It's because w why are they downplaying this? Like clearly what should have happened is the story should have been corrupt officer kills man for no reason. Cause literally that's like, it's the story shouldn't have been about this man that died. It should have been this police officer that did this absolutely heinous thing. And George Floyd should still be here today. Yeah. And the other officers should have, like, intervened, should have intervened in there yep. uh, and stopped it from happening. Like, it blows my mind that there was officers. And you can hear 
in the clip, you can hear someone that says he can't breathe. Like he literally like, I don't know if that was, it probably wasn't an officer. I'm assuming it was just someone on the street who was like, yeah, it was bystanders. Yeah. They were, they were all, a lot of people were saying, get off of it. Like he can't, I mean, he himself was saying, I can't breathe. Exactly. He he was saying, you're going to kill me. Yeah. And just how any human, no matter what the circumstances, just like, can hear someone say, I can't breathe and do nothing about it. Like what, what was the reason that he needed to be taken this far? Why? Like, if nothing, like, why wasn't he just put into cuffs if this was such a big deal and just said, like, and, and put into questioning? Why did it have to escalate to violence? Yeah. Well, the, and, and I think more clips have surfaced showing that even before he was thrown to the ground, he was in the back of their squad car. And I don't know what he was doing in the back of the squad car, but it shows the police officers... Uh, what it seems to be like they're attacking him while he is in the back of the car as well. So even before uh, what ended up leading to his death, there was violence going on while he's sitting in the back of their squad car. Uh, the video can't, you can't see much from it, but you see them uh, reacting quite aggressively. Um, mm-hmm. And uh I was going to say something else. Um, I'll, I'll just move on because I can't remember what I was going to say. But yeah, this so far it's already, um, you know, you you wonder when I when I talk about it, it seems like a convenient uh, decision to mark this as a medical incident during a police interaction. Just feels a lot too inconvenient, especially with the history of how this stuff happens. Um, you just uh, you wonder if there hadn't been damning uh, video proof of what actually happened, if that would have later been rectified. Because we'll see in this timeline that they they later on do uh, rectify their statement. So. The press release alleged that Floyd had physically resisted officers, something later called into question based on a nearby surveillance footage, which we've talked about. Uh, The quote is, officers were able to get the suspect into handcuffs and noted he appeared to be suffering medical distress, the press release said, making no mention of the police officer kneeling on Floyd's neck. So this is, again, the immediate, they're, they're spinning this story in a certain way. Uh, the Minneapolis Police Department announced the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension would investigate the incident. In a subsequent press release, the department announced the FBI would also investigate. Uh, later, the Star Tribune's uh, Liber Janey, I'm probably butchering that name, I apologize, reported that the Minneapolis Police Department walked back some of its earlier statements about the incident, saying they were based on preliminary information. Um, I don't want to speculate too much. I, I don't know what exactly the preliminary information was, uh, whether it was police officers giving uh, incorrect reports, you know, whatever. Um, but it all kind of leads to the mentality that there's corruption within the police department, that they're out to, to protect themselves rather than um, protect the people that they kind of vow to to protect. Um in addition, I, I don't know if you've seen this, but I've seen a lot of police officers come to social media stating this is the way that he was detained was not part of protocol. Um, I saw one that said that 
you can't like there is something where you can put your knee on like their shoulder or their lower back um and maybe you your knee slips onto a person's neck but you never hold it there for like seven seven minutes and another thing that okay i remember what i was going to say is a lot of times we talk about uh uh you know, deaths in, in, in these circumstances, we talk about, oh, well, it's difficult to be in a police officer's shoes when you have split second decisions to make, but you can see this is a situation where this was a seven minute long decision to ignore a person and, and, uh, put their life in danger. Uh, it wasn't a split second impulsive, impulsive decision. So, um, well, I think, that this is one of those stories where pretty much everybody agrees that the way this officer approached the situation, like th- this isn't, there's been situations in the past where there's been a race issue and there's been like opposing sides. Like some people have, have said, maybe it's not a race issue. Like this is one of the few times where I really don't know anyone who is going to flat out say that what that officer did was, right by any merit like the officers like other police officers they'll tell you that that was not the proper protocol um just i mean there's there's not even an argument to be made like clearly what he did i don't want to say that for sure that officer is is an evil person but all the evidence suggests to say that he's an evil person now you make a good point which is i think for some people it's really hard for us to understand what it would be like to be a police officer because you, you get in these, these life and death situations sometimes. And you you literally go in like the adrenaline kicks in and like you go into this completely different mindset. And so when you see some of the mistakes that officers make, I really do think that some of the mistakes aren't done because they're evil people, but it's done just because they're fearful for their lives. It might have uh, a, it might be related to a race issue, but there is an element of when you're put in a situation in which you feel threatened, you might do something that you would not, like that goes against what your normal logic and your normal sound judgment would be. So when you look at that being a possibility, it doesn't connect to this situation. Like there's nothing in this situation where you can say, well, uh, what he did, like you can kind of understand, like he was in a, like what threatening situation was he in? What, what was the threat in the situation? He has three other officers there. Like, why did this... There's no way that, that the four of them combined could not, like, defend themselves in a situation if a situation even had a threat, in which it didn't. There was never a threat in this entire situation, which is why, though, even... We may not have any, like, direct evidence that has said, like, in the past, this officer has been a racist. You can look at all of the, the evidence on the table and say, okay... There's clearly something here that seems to be a little bit awry. And that's why this this situation in particular has made people take the most action of anything in recent memory. Yeah, I well, I'll, I'll, just because of what you talked about, about uh, maybe there's not any explicit evidence of this officer being uh, or, or having done things out of uh, racism. I'm going to fast forward a little bit to Wednesday because on Wednesday... Minneapolis released the names of the four officers involved in the incident. Uh, Derek Chauvin, who was the guy that that had his knee to George Floyd's neck, 
uh, Thomas Lane uh, Tao Tao. Uh, that's the guy I was trying to reference earlier. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, so I apologize. And then J. Alexander uh, King. Um, the guy, Chauvin, officer identified as having his knee on Floyd's neck, had been with the police department for 19 years and had been involved in several officer-involved shootings. Uh, that's reported by uh, Andy Mannix. Uh and uh, Tao, who went through the police academy in 2009, was actually laid off and rejoined the Minneapolis Police Department in 2012 and was sued for use of force in 2017. Uh, the case was settled out of court for $25,000. So, and then the other one, uh, King was hired in 2017 and Lane was hired in 2019. That's all it says about, about those two officers. Um, but here is part of the case that's being built. You know, if you want to have a conversation about uh, was this explicitly a race, a racial thing, um, it, it's difficult to to necessarily prove an explicit racism thing. But here is why it, it becomes uh, a racial issue: is you you know you want to talk about uh, implicit bias, something that you can't prove, but that if there is any ounce of a part of them feeling like, oh, when I get around a black person, I tense up a little bit. Or there's something where I feel a little more fearful because of uh, whatever my, my stereotypes are, my judgments are, my preconceived notions. Um, it gets them to act uh, set differently in those situations. On the, That's on the front end of things. So you can have a situation like this happen where, uh, you know, a lot of the argument is, you know, if a white person was in that same situation, uh, it would not have been handled this way. Um, and I, I believe that you can see a lot of statistical evidence and visual representations proving that. I'm not saying that there is never a situation where a white person might, there might, things might escalate or something. Um, but I think that there is more damning evidence uh, to, to show a uh, implicit racial bias. You don't need to hear slurs to understand that there is something internally within people. And specifically within a system that is set up to protect us, that stuff is not okay because it leads to a, a situation where not only do they have the power to take people's lives, but then when it comes to justice, there's a system set up in place to not only protect white people, but to protect uh, police officers specifically. Um, and so you, you kind of see this when we talk about the convenience of how the report is done. Again, I wonder how this would have been handled if there wasn't any damning video evidence, if this would have been somehow conveniently swept under the rug, like so many cases we seem to see. I mean, even cases where there is damning video evidence, uh, a, a documentary I encourage you guys to watch, um, Shout out to my dad. He sent it to me. He said uh, it was just like this is a very relevant thing at this time because it's there's a lot of parallels in history. There is a there is a documentary on Netflix called L.A. 92, and it was about uh, basically there were there were two situations that happened. The first one was Rodney King um, was. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly what exactly he was doing, but four officers had detained him. And then you see video of him being brutally beaten with a bat, 
or a baton or something by uh, one of the police officers and the other one's like kicking him and, and all this stuff. And, uh, and then later on uh, a 15 year old girl, Latasha Harlins is uh, killed by a like convenience store clerk, Soon Jadu, who's uh, Asian, um, you know, not, um, do, do people consider Asian people white as well? Or is that a, a separate thing? It's a separate thing. Separate, okay. Um, mm-hmm. So so that's a different situation. That's not a white versus black type situation. But um, initially, you know, the the Rodney King situation, uh, you know, it, when it goes to court, uh, it gets pushed back. They, they change they change venues because they say that it's such a high profile case and it conveniently goes to a jury that's uh, uh, like predominantly in a, in a suburb where the police officers live and there's predominantly white people. And then uh, that, that case keeps getting pushed back and it's like, where's the justice? How come it's not happening? And then this Latasha Harlan's girl, that, that criminal case goes to court and the jury, uh, Suggested they 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 ruled that uh, that um, convenience store clerk guilty, and se- suggested a prison sentence of sixteen years, and the judge just threw it out. Just threw out the jury's decision and said, "I have a quote here. It says I know a criminal when I see one. I know a person who presents a danger to the community when I see one. When I don't, I treat that person with something other than that." So she reduced the sentence to community service and small fines, and the the person had to serve no jail time. So that happened, and then later on, even with the damning video evidence of the brutal beating of Rodney King, you know, I'm summarizing the documentary. I still want you guys to watch it, but even with that video evidence, uh, the the police officers weren't convicted, and so it's like you see time and time again situations where the african-american community feel like not only are they treat mistreated on the front end but then the the systems in place to provide justice for them are also failing them so they're just they're just swept under the rug and they just have to the bottle it up and deal with it and um and so that that's where it's like you know when people go into this and say well you can't say that this was just the way they, you know, they retracted their statement and it's like, yeah, but we have a history of observing this behavior. Like this happens over and over again, where it seems like there's trying to be cover-ups or they're saving their own skin. And it's like, that's not how things should be. You should have an equal opportunity to not only be, uh, protected equally and represented equally, but then also on the back end to be, uh, to things be handled justly and swiftly, just like they might be in other situations. Well, um, I don't know. I don't know if we want to get too far into the the protest part right, right at this moment. But I think you, what you've pretty much just described with this documentary is it. It kind of it shows us as to why it has escalated in terms of the protests, the rioting. Um, the whole thing is the direct result of people living in a society where they don't feel protected, they don't feel safe which is sort of, it goes against what the entire police force exists to do, which is to protect the people. And when, when people feel a level of injustice and in that they're gonna, there's going to be a cover-up or they're, or they're not going to be valued in the same way as another person, like 
you wonder why people are so angry or so upset because a lot of people they're like you know i don't i don't get it they're just making the problem worse and like of course from an outside perspective it doesn't seem like destroying a starbucks or a macy's or something it doesn't seem like that is how the best way to cope with feeling an injustice but at the end of the day, there, there is no perfect way of which you can handle something like this because there's not, there's never been, if there was a perfect way of handling this, obviously people would have done it. That's the reason why they're resorting to something like this. That's the reason why America is, is so upset right now because time and time again, it has been clear that things are not changing for the better. And there have been, there have been peaceful protesting, there has been lots of video evidence people have lost their jobs over this there's been so many things that have presumably helped push this forward helped push the initiative that we need equal rights amongst everybody in society and it shouldn't matter how somebody looks yet it's not happening things are not changing so the well, the situation in which follows after the George Floyd death which i don't know I don't know if we want to go too far into that, but basically what I'm saying is it is the direct result of a combination of things that have happened time and time again and an inability for people to... an, an inability for society to evolve and adapt to be like, hey, this inequality is not okay. Like, it's not okay that we're not treating people all the same way. And now, now we're faced with this situation that we have. Well, I, I think the frustrating part for me on the outside looking in of a lot of this stuff is, um, you know, I'm not a like a an aggressive person to begin with. I, I I'm I'm a fucking pussy. You know, I'm like a sensitive guy. <laughs> you know, like, those are your words. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I am. I'll fucking admit it. Like, I don't want to fight. Like, even in situations that might directly impact me, my gut instinct is to try to talk out of it. I'm not gonna try to fight you about it or something like that. So, my even though my immediate reaction which is not being weak to keep in mind too. I don't think that that makes someone no, not necessarily like soft or something. We've talked about that before, but yeah. I get the. I get what you mean. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, my my gut instinct is like I don't want to see uh, things get to, you know, when it comes to protesting and you know riot and looting. Like I specifically wouldn't do that stuff. But I think what's frustrating on the outside looking in is when people decide, especially on their platforms, to speak up specifically on that portion of what's happening. I saw, um, I saw a really good, so, uh, Tommy Lauren or whatever, who's like a Fox news yep, yep. person tweeted like, oh, so we're going to loot and riot. How is that going to solve anything, uh, as part of protest? And, uh, this, uh, um, Aisha girl, she responded, she said, well, they tried peacefully kneeling. You had a problem with that too. So it's like, you know, um, I don't understand how you can remain silent. And that's part of the, also the problem with, I think, uh, you know, Donald Trump, how he has responded to things. Um, and when you go back and watch that documentary, a lot of people were very critical of George Bush senior for how he responded to that situation because he wasn't saying anything, wasn't like commenting, whatever. And then when he finally talked about it, all he had to say was, Hey, we need to respond more peacefully and stuff like that. Like, that's all you, I, I feel like, 
you have enough reason to be empathetic and understanding of how things could get to the point that they have because things aren't changing fast enough. Like it's been centuries of the inequality and it's, it continues carrying on and we just we're 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 complacent. I actually I was watching the Breakfast Club uh, in, with an episode of Donald Glover, who is also known as Childish Gambino. Uh, he did the song "This Is America," which is being used a lot in a lot of posts I'm seeing now. Um, but uh, he talked about how the election of uh, Barack Obama as a president, in a way, has set us back. And what he meant by that was that because a, a, an African American was elected president, it gives people an excuse to say see racism doesn't exist if it existed we wouldn't have a black president and so it it instills the ability to ignore the injustice the inequality that still exists that's more deeply interwoven within our society because you can't see it as explicitly and so it's um it's a really tough thing and and to go into this you know you talked about a culmination of things not not even a, a historical culmination but just uh, as Trevor Noah described it, a domino effect. Number one, you know, we want to talk about coronavirus a little bit. People were already pent up with a lot of stuff going on with coronavirus. Like, we don't know what's going on. We feel like we're hearing multiple things. Are we okay to go out? Are we not okay? Um, people are acting like there's all these conspiracy theories, which I also find that ironic that for people who who swear up and down by conspiracy theories, but have a hard time believing there's racism still existing or systems in place that are set up to help certain people more than others. It's like, you know, it seems like a little cherry picking here. Like you think the government's out to get you, but you don't think that the government could be out to get people of a different background. That's also a convenient perspective as well. But uh, a domino effect, you know, you have the coronavirus stuff. People are are kept up inside. They don't know who to trust. They don't feel like they can trust their government and this stuff going on. And then you have um, the uh, what's her name? They talked about it in the in the in our chat actually. Um, Amy, I'm trying to find her. Woman in Central Park. What was her name? It's Amy something. Uh, hold on. I that I don't it. know. I can find it in a second here. Oh, uh, Amy Cooper. So this just woman that was in Central Park uh, bird watching with her dog or something. I don't even... I, I tried to find the original video, but uh, an African-American was walking in Central Park as well, and she threatened to call the police and said, I'm going to tell them that an African-American is threatening me or harassing me or, or something along those lines. And Trevor Noah described this as that is a, is a, a white person specifically knowing how the police are going to handle that situation and weaponizing that against an African-American. That is an explicit uh, form of racism that's shown. Like people know, I mean... You can even say it about, I don't know how you feel about this, but I know that in a way, if I get pulled over by the cops, I can upplay my whiteness to try to get out of a ticket or something. Just like act totally nice. And I'm also just going to be treated like 
I recognize that that is a, a legitimate possibility. I, and this was a situation where there's a, a very explicit example of someone understanding that that is the reality and weaponizing that that concept. So that happened. So you got coronavirus, that happened, and then you also had the the killing of Ahmad Arbery uh, in Georgia. Did you hear about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you had that killing uh, with video evidence, and it took uh, months to get uh, justice for this situation, where people are like there's video evidence of them chasing this guy down and it was initially marked as self-defense when it was clearly they they like hunted this man and uh so these things led up and then you had this george floyd video which is such a uh i don't know if poignant or palpable like uh, the video is just so the image of it of just like like picture yourself in a situation where you're held down by three cops and specifically one's on one's got their knee on your neck and you're just so helpless to do anything about it like put yourself in that situation you're explaining get the fuck off me i'm dying and they're just not listening to you You are helpless to your death by a by a person who is sworn to protect you so all these things led to this like it makes sense that Maybe even if you want to say that the li- the the looting and rioting isn't over isn't the the quote unquote right way to handle it, it makes sense why these domino effects, as Trevor Noah would call it, have led to this stuff. And the other thing that he describes is protesting isn't meant to be like isn't like protesting in itself. The idea of it is going against the systems that are set in place like you're protesting you're saying the things that are are there are wrong so it's not supposed to be this like kept quiet thing and that that's a concept that i I don't quite understand when when people want to argue you know you're not doing it the right way like like you said what is the right way to do it in in a corner to a wall where no one can hear you that's very convenient for you because then you don't have to pay attention to the issues but that's the point of the protest to say you need you guys need to pay attention to these issues because they're being ignored there needs to be change within it well then let's let's uh let's briefly talk about the protest then now that being said because they've they've obviously hit chicago as they've hit most of the major cities in the u.s at this point i heard there was even some overseas which i didn't uh my brother had told me about that earlier today um so like most places, like most of the major cities, there's been buildings getting just smashed with bricks or just any objects. Uh, there's been things set on fire. There's been spray painting. And these originally started in Minneapolis and they've spread throughout the entire country. And now it's a, it's more of a physical representation of the anger and frustration in society. And Let's also not downplay another very obvious thing that's going on right now, which is that we are also in the middle of a pandemic, which a lot of people have been stuck inside and have been told what to do uh, with their lives by the government over the last several months. So there's already, you know, there's, there's an increase in unemployment. There's people who have just a little more stir crazy. There's already a lot of people who really feel frustrated and out of control 
of their lives right now. And of course, when that happens, like it's not a surprise to me to see that people are maybe more aggressive during this protest than some of the ones prior. Now, there was one thing that you had mentioned, which I think uh, the protests initially started off as more peaceful, and then they got a little bit more, um, I guess, I don't want to say aggressive, but they got a little bit less peaceful after a while. Um, and Well, that's just, there's, there's been peaceful protesting for a long time, but people mm-hmm. don't even like that either. Exactly, and like as as we said... Colin Kaepernick, he kneels, and people have a problem with that. And that's literally about the most peaceful thing you could possibly do. It's not loud. It's just making a statement. So, unfortunately, to make any real change in life, you have to do something that will make someone listen. And to do that, you have to try different things. And, you know, it's been... it's Racism now can be caught on camera. That wasn't a thing before. So that's one thing... That it's like, okay, here's examples of it. Don't do this. Well, we we see one of those get posted to YouTube, and then a, a week later we see another one get posted to YouTube, and then a week later, and you think the more we see of these, the the you think eventually we're gonna stop seeing the the race issues, but we don't. So then we see people kneel, people don't like that, people get violent, people don't like that. No matter what happens, people aren't listening. So to a certain extent what we're witnessing here is people just being like, I don't know what else to show you. So I'm just going to go and make a scene like here, here you go. I disagree with what's going on. And I'm going to show you that by doing what goes against the system. Now, this is obviously going to be pretty polarizing because you, you see how now people are like, well, you're just making the problem worse. Like we already have a problem. What makes this a bit more complicated is that we are in the middle of a pandemic. So, I, for anybody who flat out makes a comment and says people are not social distancing as a, as a result of this, this is actually the one stance I will take. I am very upset at that. I am upset that social distancing is not taking place because the actual spread of a disease is going to like a lot of people will lose their lives. And I think that everybody's best interest is we don't want people to die over this. We don't want people to have, we don't want this to spread and like infect people all over the world again. We want to cut back in the coronavirus. That part of it is unfortunate, but the the overall idea of the protest and what's happening here, I don't think anyone has a really a right to say that they're doing the protest wrong. Because as we've said, we don't know what's wrong. The only thing that I will agree is wrong is the potential of the, a disease spreading from a lack of social distancing. But that is actually independent of the protest itself. Uh, and... I feel like less people are even talking about that, to be honest with you. That's just another part that has crossed my mind on it that worries me. But these places, we can, we can build back a target. We can, we can rebuild a Starbucks on the corner. Is it unfortunate that local businesses by good people that just own businesses throughout the city that have no affiliation to the event, is it unfortunate that they're getting their stuff destroyed? Yeah. Would I kind of hope that if they were going to do this, um, if, if within the protests, like maybe they, it was more targeted of like specific places where people felt like that specific place was the issue, like the police stations and in, in, in places where they felt more direct impact and less just random places. I mean, I just I don't think that protesting is calculated. Like, I don't think that protesting and rioting is, is not really calculated. It's just 
causing a scene. And that's what's happening here. We're just seeing people who are tired of how things are going, and this is the way they've decided to do it. And I don't think it ha it's any of our rights to say that this is just wrong. Like, maybe if you're a member of the African-American community and you want to specifically say that you don't like the way that it's being handled, like, everyone's obviously entitled to their opinion on it, but it's just, it's hard to say what the proper way of doing this is. And though it's hard to watch, like, it breaks my heart to even witness some of the stuff that's going on and knowing how many people are affected by this, we have to make a change. Like, this is completely unacceptable that we live in the year 2020 and we still have what seems to be race issues that should have been eradicated centuries ago. And yet it continues to be very problematic, even with uh, the ability to... We have so much information at right at our hands and the fact that we still make these terrible judgment calls is pretty despicable. So, um, yeah, I, uh, that's kind of my thought on just the overall protesting and the, and rioting side of it here. Um, I do think there probably are some people within it who are taking advantage and just like stealing a bunch of stuff. Like, okay, well, I guess I'll just, I'll just take advantage of this here. But I don't I just don't know how anyone can really make the judgment call on what is right and what is wrong in a situation because what is wrong is the race issue and lack of equality in this country. Um, one thing I want to say, too, is, uh, well, first off, just about the coronavirus thing, you know, you, you specifically took a stance on you're upset with the, the social distancing aspect uh, because obviously uh, during a pandemic it's very dangerous for these disease this this virus to be spread around uh, to be frank um the only reason that i have made a specific decision not to be part of the protests was for that reason but part of me is also morally asking um you know i i, I don't agree with putting other people in harm's way because i think it's it's another version of the same issue where you're like not giving a person a chance to have uh their own freedom to to be separate from that um but at, at the same time with this specific issue the people that are out there protesting are making the decision to take a stance on something separate and say i will risk this because it's more important than the possible life that i i have or the, the contraction of this. And I don't even know that I can take that strong of a stance on that because uh, I don't know how you weigh those things out and say that this one is uh, more important than the other. I have made a specific decision within myself, but I also, um, I can respect uh, people that are explicitly making the decision to say that's not as important than fighting for the the equality of, uh, of all people. Um, in addition, I think it's difficult to entirely uh, qualify or quantify uh, the reason why rioting and looting is is specifically done. You know, uh, it, it could be, you know, understanding if there is any like calculated thought behind it. It could be understanding that unless you do something uh, with shock value, it doesn't get the. Um, the airtime that it should. I mean, there are, there are so many clips circulating of of peaceful peaceful protests happening, but you don't see that a lot of times on like CNN and stuff. All you see are the burning and 
and uh, um, you know I, I, I well that's one thing that I have liked about people's social media circulation is they're showing like people dancing in the streets uh, police officers hugging civilians um, there was uh, my mom sent me a, a tweet give me one second uh, one that I thought was so beautiful was in um, Colorado capital uh, thousands of protesters lying face down with their hands behind their backs chanting I can't breathe and they did that for nine minutes straight um, like that image is is uh, very powerful and uh, you know, there's there stuff like that um, that I think sometimes doesn't uh, get as much attention as uh, the crazy stuff that that points people out like they're just savages but there's also you know, when you talk about the right and wrong, the morality of the rioting and looting, number one, I would argue that for the for like local businesses and stuff, I, I, I'm guessing what you will see after all this is the community will rise up together to help those people get back on their feet. Number one, uh, one good quote that I, I, I saw going around was uh, people over property. Like, part of the capitalist mentality or like the, the materialistic mentality is we, we really value things, uh, but that stuff can be replaced. We can rebuild that stuff. You can't bring back a person's life. That's a completely separate uh, thing going on here. Uh, and I would argue that these communities, what they're fighting for is equality and people doing the right thing. You can see people within the African-American community telling people to stop uh, rioting and looting and stuff. I I'm, I guarantee you, people will rally together to help people in need after the the passion of this reaction has settled down to help these places rebuild themselves. So that part, like I, I think you can even make an argument against people who are saying this is the wrong way to handle it because I just think this stu this story isn't over yet. Like we're gonna see other things happen from this, um, and I also think that. Um, like we look in history and there are, are other situations that we praise for the vandalism. I, I talked to Stephen about, uh, you know, the Boston Tea Party. Like that's something that we grow up learning in, in class about the oppression of uh, the British over uh, the American colonies. They they took the tea and threw it into the sea like that. That's looting. That's vandalism. Like, you know, this stuff uh, there things have happened over and over and over again and people aren't being heard and you know we talk about also the qualifying of why this stuff is happening i think look at the mental health of a community who is constantly ignored and is constantly put down like just think of even on a smaller scale you know think of yourself as a person who is pleading to an authority figure that you're being mistreated and you're constantly being ignored and put down like you have now you are you feel invalidated uh you know we want to talk about mental health you want to talk about mental health awareness how how is this not going to impact have have a uh, a large impact over time of people who um are constantly feeling invalidated for their their stuff especially when you when now the argument is oh racism doesn't exist uh, you know, you don't see it explicitly. It's like, okay, but I saw another tweet where it was like, I, I spoke to a black man who uh, I wanted to borrow, he wanted to borrow a bag to carry something and I gave him a pink bag and he said, can I have a different color bag? And I asked him why. And he said, 
uh, because if I'm seen outside with a pink bag, somebody is going to call the cops uh, thinking that I stole it from a white woman. And I don't ever want an ex- I don't ever want an excuse for police to pull me. Like, think about having to live with that mentality all the time, how heavy that burden is. Um, and so all this stuff, I, I just feel like we need to have empathy and and also patience with how this stuff is actually going to turn out. Again, the story isn't over, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see people rise up together to help people that might have been wrongfully targeted in in these certain situations. So, um, yeah. Well, let me ask you that, actually. What is your hope from this? Um, what is my, like hope from the protests or, or what? yeah from just everything that will be learned from the George Floyd death and the protesting and everything that has followed well one thing I, I specifically hope for is that you see justice legally with uh, not only the police officer who uh, murdered George Floyd but the three other police officers who allowed it to happen because so many times you see uh, initial uh, charges put against uh, police officers or people who have uh, committed these crimes, and then they it goes to court and they get out of it, and then just get to live their lives normally as if nothing was ever committed. Which is part of the reason why I saw a lawyer talk about this: uh, the third degree murder. The reason that they did that specifically is because that one you don't have to prove that he had an intent to kill. It's a it's a less um, it's a lesser charge, but part of the the problem when it goes to court specifically is proving that this cop had an intent to kill him. Now, a lot of people are arguing, well, I mean, what else was it? He had his knee to the guy's neck for nine minutes um, with the guy saying, I can't breathe, I'm going to die. But legally, when you're speaking about that, that you know, that's something that I would almost even examine um, as part of our justice system is do we have the laws in place that allow for uh, an appropriate sentencing based on these situations. Number two, I think a big part of this, um, uh, one of the, uh, I think it was, there are petitions going around about just like police reform in general. You know, a lot of, because these systems are so, um, have these biases uh, that are so deeply interwoven within them, I think, the hope is that it stop. This stuff is stopped being ignored, and that you actually see massive reform in how things are um, governed or uh, protected and, and whatnot. And I see a lot of uh, posts about like abolish the police force. You know, part of me is like because I've grown up with this idea of what the police are. I'm like that seems like an extreme thing, but it's also like maybe we need to take in new information and maybe the way that we're handling society needs to be completely revamped. Like maybe we need to be thinking more radically because we just, even if we've made progress, you can make a a very strong argument that the progress has been uh, too little and, and many times too late after lives and lives and lives are taken with no justice. So, um, I guess I don't know the specifics because I, even me, uh, you know, I'll hold myself accountable that uh, this specific situation I've become uh, incredibly passionate about and whatever. But 
I also feel like I'm 28. It's not like this is the first time this has happened in my life. So part of me is like, why did it take me so long? Like, I want to hold myself accountable to that. And in learning exactly what specific is within, uh, you know, our systems, you know, the institution, institutions that are uh, perpetuating the inequality. Like, I, I would like to continue learning about this and, and see what my part can be in changing that. And also uh, the the people that are in the leadership positions to get these changes, I hope that they're fucking heard. Like the people that are standing for uh, equality among people, I hope that they're listened to and that you have other people in charge that stop arguing and stop waiting for their turn to talk and just fucking listen and then make a change out of it. But yeah, I'll stop there. What about you? What are you hoping for? I mean, I... I agree with most of everything that you... I mean, I agree with everything that you just said. I guess the only thing is all, in my own words, just to add on top of it, I just... I do hope that we... I, I hope that's, like, as, as simple as it sounds, I just hope that something actually gets better. That that maybe this happens less often, that maybe they there are some new uh, police protocols put into place... I want to just see like an actual tangible change that is made in this. Um, I want to see statements made from police officers to say, hey, we're going to be doing this differently. I just feel like part of the thing that we need from this is an actual solution. Because what we've seen so far up to this point is just people saying, you know, this officer doesn't work here anymore. Like, that doesn't work. Like, you, you can fire bad people here and there, but there needs to be just like something done on uh, with within our like police force where they say hey we're we're with you we hear you all and as a result we are doing this differently i think that would go a long long way if we could hear some statements um come from the people who actually have the power to make the change like right there like those are the people that can make the change so i really hope that we do see something there and I also hope that you're right, that the damages that have been done, I hope that we now uh, help those business owners. Like, if, if they got something destroyed, like, I, I want to see people go in and help support businesses because, you know, local business owners, they didn't they didn't need to get their place destroyed and all this. They, they should be supported um, when this is over. We need to continue to help build our cities back because... You know, they're, everyone, every city is going through a tough time right now. Like, just the economy is not what it was just a few months ago. And it, we need people to, to band together through this. And we also need people to just continue to have these types of conversations and not be so... Like, I have no doubt that a lot of people, and this is something that um, uh, Don Lemon on CNN was talking about, uh, a lot of people just aren't speaking on this at all. And people with, on very big platforms, we're talking like some A-list celebrities, some really, really powerful people, they're not saying anything. They're not doing anything. And that is something that I just, as I've said before, I think everybody who has a platform is a role model to a certain extent because you have the ability to impact and that impact can make uh, the positive change. So I think we just need people to have opinions, voice their opinions, to promote things, to try and work towards these possible solutions. And I do feel more confident that this time 
it's more likely that something big will come as a, a result of it. Um, even if it's not as big as I'm hoping for, because it, it probably won't be a perfect solution overnight, but just a step in the right direction would be really nice right now, uh, especially just given how I think the country in general, ha it's down about just about a lot of things right now. So I think I kind of hope that we can get to that solution sooner rather than later as well, and that we don't even have to continue to push out the protest over and over again because actually steps are being taken because that's what we need to start seeing. Yeah, we can't. I think a big thing that I want to, I guess, encourage, you know, everyone's going to handle this uh, differently in the situation. And again, I don't want to be preachy, but something that I guess I would I would encourage is, uh, especially as a, as a white person, I think that we have a responsibility to make sure that the narrative isn't focused on the response, but rather the, the origin, you know, the cause of 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 the passion, of the emotion, of of the effects that we're seeing now, because that's where the the the, the true heart of this lies. And you know, um, again, you to to cite back to that uh, night that documentary. I know I'm I'm just kind of uh, kicking a dead horse here, but I. I think that um, the thing that we saw here, and I don't want history to repeat itself, was that's where the narrative got centered around was, hey, you know, go handle this in the courts. And it's like, well, they tried to handle it in the courts and there wasn't justice served. So what do you want them to do? And so I think we need, as people who are on the outside, don't, I think when you think about what actions can you take, it's not just, oh, well, everybody else is fired up. I'll also be fired up. I think in terms of like debating and having discussions, I think a very important point that we need to utilize when having these discussions is making sure that people stay on topic. The topic is what led to all that stuff that you have a problem with? Don't you have a problem with what led to it? Let's talk about that specifically. How do we change that? What do we do to make sure that that stuff doesn't continue happening within our society? Yeah, well said. Um, uh, I mean, we <laughs> we talked about a lot of stuff. I don't know if we need to uh, keep going through. Do you want me to keep going through this um, timeline of the George Floyd thing? How, what, how do you feel about just the overall flow of our conversation here? I from my perspective, we've covered all of the main points in which I wanted to discuss on today's episode. And as you've talked about, like this story isn't over yet. Like this is going to be a continued, um, this is going to be some continued conversation, probably uh, maybe even on a future podcast episode. And obviously, just as we we move forward here, and, and hopefully, it, it's we get some positive developments that come as a result of it because I think right now we're still in the phase of like what what actually happens next. We, d we don't know yet. We don't really know what's the, the next thing that's actually going to uh, be a solution in this, but you know, but is there anything else from the article you think is worth discussing? Uh, I mean, we kind of talked about the stuff that it, it, uh, it you know, it starts getting into the protests. Um, also, I think one thing that, um, it's just policy wise I don't specifically like is um, 
you know, the the protocol for a situation like this is to immediately put these officers on paid administrative leave. Um, and I think that that needs to be coming into question because these are still citizens. So if they commit a crime, um, I, I, I guess part of my pro- thought process is shouldn't they be held to the same criminal standards of, of this situation? Why, you know, whether you are an acting officer, it, just because they're, they're, it leads to too much gray area of, um, oh, well, I get to take the law into my own hands in certain ways because I get... I get treated differently within that, even though you're still a person. Um, so that's just one thing that I kind of uh, had a quick thought on. Um, you know, you saw the mayor coming out uh, against what had happened. Um, you also see in this article, they do talk about how um, this article makes it out like the 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 protests were getting... Um, like tensions were rising, but that the the first punch thrown was by police. That uh, tensions between protesters and police erupted. Police attacked protesters with tear gas, rubber bullets, and flashbangs. Um, so, you know, this is a is a tough situation because it's you know you see article you 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 see people using evidence saying no this is what happened uh you know there was that auto zone situation where people are saying that it was an undercover cop who started the the breaking of the glass of the auto zone and you can even see an african-american man uh going up uh, to him trying to get him to stop and then he walked away uh that guy's ex-fiance said that it was him but some people are saying no it's not him that's you know whatever so there's a lot of stuff that's like going back and forth on this um but uh, basically, things just have continuously uh, ramped up, and uh, I think one thing that I just encourage you guys to pay attention to is, uh, like, the people protesting are, are for the people, um, I, I think, in most cases. And I think ways that you can help them are, you know, look for people locally that are... Um, supplying food and water and and medical aid uh they're they're volunteering their time for those people who are fighting for equality um and you know if you want to make an argument that uh there are just a couple bad apples within the police force well then uh i think you can probably say that there may be just a couple bad apples within the protesters and that overall the protesters are fighting for something that we should all believe and that is everybody uh, deserves that equality and that that same justice that uh, many times we don't see. So, I guess I'll end yeah. on that. I don't know if you want to say anything else, but I just think this is a time for us to band together. We've got a lot of negative things going on in the world, and we shouldn't let race stand in the way of just us realizing it. We're all we're all human. We all want to live in a, a better, happier world, and. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's basically as, as simple as it gets. Okay. Uh, well, uh, obviously this was a very um, driven episode on, on one specific topic. Uh, we always offer up you guys to, to give your thoughts, comments, and questions. I think this specific thing is something that we obviously want to start conversation with and have, have discussions on. So if you have any thoughts, comments, or questions, email us, emgpod at gmail.com. Give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. 
513-427-EMG5. Uh, you can DM Stephen or I on social media. Uh, I am at Brandon J. Flippin. Stephen is at Stephen Russell B. The podcast is at EMG Pod. Uh, and if you want to see uh, the video of this podcast, you can go to YouTube, the Everything Must Go podcast YouTube channel. Um, and yeah, thank you guys for listening. I know this, you know, there, there's a, the, just one last thing I guess I'll say is it's tough. Like, uh, and I don't know if Stephen relates to this, like as as an artist or a person who like wants to make people happy, these situations can be difficult to decide. Like, what do I what do I share in terms of my art? What do I, do I, uh, show, do I try to joke around to make people happy? Do I, do I do a, a nice song to make people, uh, more blissful, you know, whatever. So it's, it's a difficult time to, to, to decipher through this, but we're, we're doing our, the best that we can to, to figure out how we want to handle these situations. And, um, we hope that you guys are along there with us just trying to, trying to do the right thing ultimately whatever that ends up being so yeah we'll talk to you next time take it easy